but but I think it's managing managing expectations, isn't it? Of you know, you've you've talked about uh, people stood around doing nothing. Uh, I think often that's because you know they don't know if they're meant to be in place X or place Y. You know, I've I've seen it before uh, where places have either toastmasters or coordinators, and sometimes it's you know the ceremonies in one place, but they are you know. They haven't been to that place like 57 times, so they don't know. Actually, then you move to this other bit for the drinks reception. They're just stood around going, what do we do now? Welcome to the Yes To I Do podcast, your weekly wedding planning show hosted by Jack Brister and Chris Piercy. Hello and welcome to Yes To I Do, your wedding planning podcast. My name is Jack Brister and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Chris Piercy. Today, we had a fascinating conversation with Greg Thirtle of TP Photography. It was a great chat and Greg and Chris did get in a bit of an argument about when the wedding speeches should be, so make sure you stay tuned to that. But before we get into it, I want to tell you very briefly about our brand new group on Facebook. It's called Yes Do I Do Your Wedding Planning Podcast group. It's completely free to join. It's very easy to find. You just pop it onto Facebook and it'll pop up or you can head over to the Facebook page, which is also Yes Do I Do Your Wedding Planning Podcast uh, and you can join it free of charge. We have some exclusive content that you won't find anywhere else and we thoroughly recommend you go and check it out. That's all I've got for now. Enjoy the episode. So, Greg, thanks for joining us today. Uh, are you having a good day so far? I am, yes. It's a little bit early, but uh, I've got a, a drink with me, so all's good. So crowbarred you out of bed at the, what is it, quarter past nine in the morning now. So, yeah, it's a t- tough life, is it? Yeah, uh, us wedding photographers don't like to get up very early uh, unless <laughs> we're working. Yeah, that's uh, understandable, I guess. So, you're not just a wedding photographer, though. You do a whole range of different photographies i know you for wedding photography and food photography that's right so i started shooting weddings probably uh 14 years ago or so uh i know mm-hmm. uh obviously our listeners can't see but you know i don't look old enough uh but the you know like a lot of people i started off shooting a friend's wedding uh and then enjo- found i enjoyed it so I ended up shooting quite a few extra ones as well uh, but the thing that I always enjoyed about weddings was the the fact that you're interacting with people. Uh, for me, it's the it's the people side of things which really interests me in photography. How how would uh, how would you you say you like interacting with people, and that's the reason you love weddings? So what how would you define your style of photography? Uh, that's always a, a difficult one, actually, because obviously there's so many uh, styles that people mention these days, like documentary and reportage and you know, fine art and things like that. Uh, and I think to photographers, that means a different thing than what it would do to brides, for example. Uh, I'd say uh, the vast majority of photographers would say uh, they're quite relaxed and, you know, capture your day as it happens, uh, you know. And I'd say that would be called like reportage or documentary photography. Uh, but to uh, photographers, that style of photography uh, would mean that you wouldn't really do any portrait pictures, which I think most people would expect at a wedding. Uh, you wouldn't really do many group photos, if any, uh, if you were a 100% documentary photography. Uh, so, you know, there's a little bit of a, a difference there in terms of how you describe it to other photographers versus, you know, brides. Uh, and I think that's that can sometimes be a challenge for the brides when they're looking at people's websites is... They see these different terms uh, and, you know, by and large, most people are the same style. Uh, 
the style differences really come in uh, the way people edit the photos, I think. Uh, you know, so some people might have certain colors, uh, you know, muted colors, vibrant colors, black and white. Uh, but in terms of how you describe it in a general way to someone, you know, who wasn't a photographer, we'd probably all say, you know, we're kind of documentary reportage photographers. Because that's what works so, really well. So that well probably when... doesn't help very much, but... Yeah, no, no, that makes perfect sense. I mean, it's it's how most people, I think, want their wedding captures. They want to be able to look back at their wedding and go, that's how it happened, rather than all of these staged shots that don't look like anything out of anything other than a photo shoot, which is just unrealistic. I think that's what people want, isn't it, really? So the different styles, if you were to ask a photographer what their styles were, does it... A, different style mean different things to different photographers as well so is there like a difference there yeah too? it means that it, it obviously you know it comes back to what your background is and you know what you think that means to both photographers and brides i think so looks like you'd want to say something there chris i was just about to jump in but you know if you've not finished your point yet then i can wait no 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 go ahead so would you say that when it comes to a couple choosing their photographer should they be concentrating a lot more on the photos than you know what's written about the photographer themselves? I mean, if they say that they're a certain style, and then in your head that's not what you were looking for, but then their photos are what you're looking for. You know, which which is the most important? Yeah, factor? I, I think you know. In the, often people say you know, a picture paints a thousand words. I think this is especially true when it comes to uh, choosing your wedding photographer. You know, you need to one. You know, do you like the photos you're seeing? You know. Obviously, the, the words can help uh, get across your personality, which is what I try and do on my website, is try and get across, you know, the fun aspect and, you know, how it's not going to be like a nightmare and you're going to be like, oh, no, what's going to happen? Uh, and, you know, that, that leads on a little bit to another point I was going to bring up, that uh, a lot of places now uh, either don't have a dedicated wedding coordinator or they have somebody who's very much, like, hands-off on the day. So I've I found more and more the last couple of years, I've almost been acting as a wedding coordinator on the day to say, you know, this thing's happening next. I need to move over to this location because otherwise you're not going to get fed, things like that. Yeah, I think that the, whenever I'm at a wedding and I'm not sure what's happening next, if there's something not, not sure on the timings or something like that, the first person I'll always turn to if there isn't a wedding coordinator will be the photographer because they are the person who the bride and groom will have had the most contact with uh, because they will have sorted out their timings when photos are happening, when they're sneaking off to some extra photos, you know, when they're having a break and everything else. I mean, before we move on to anything like that, I just wanted to jump back on what you said about your style and about you trying to get across the kind of the fun side of your of your work. Because I've worked with a lot of photographers, and I don't think I can think of anyone who I consider to be more laid back than you, Greg. Because I think that you know your your style so you know. If it wasn't for the fact that you're carrying around obviously very expensive camera equipment, I think, and you don't dress like you're uh, attending a wedding, if it wasn't for that, I think you could easily be mistaken for a guest because you seem to instantly just gel and click with um, whichever group you happen to be kind of talking to, and people just seem to get on with you straight away, and I think that's um, you know testament to your kind of experience and just kind of your personality. I'm, I'm guessing you avoid telling some of your jokes, and that's probably part of it, but. I think that, that um, that's got to be such a good thing for couples to see that you get on so well with people and then they know that then the photos are going to be great because people feel so relaxed in your in your company. 
Well, yeah. Firstly, the checks in the mail. <laughs> uh, and second, yeah, that I think, you know, when we were talking about style and, you know, how do the people pick their uh, photographer based on, you know, what do they choose, use the words, do they use the photos? Uh, I think it's probably a combination of the photos and the, the personality of the person they're picking, because obviously they're going to be around them for pretty much the whole day. You know, you want somebody you can feel relaxed with and comfortable. Uh, you know, and you know, going back to what you said about me there, uh, you know, I have had brides afterwards say, you know, I was really like stressed, but you made me feel so laid back. Uh, you know, so maybe it rubs off on them sometimes. Maybe we had Emma Hurley on in our last episode, and I asked her this question, and I think I'm probably going to ask most photographers this from now on because I'm interested to know the answer from kind of different sources. But as a complete, you no know, average Joe on the street looking at different photographers how can a kind of normal person with no experience of wedding photography tell that the image that has been taken you know is one that's been taken by like a proper professional photographer as opposed to an amateur so what is it about the photo that will kind of stand out or be different between kind of those two levels of skill do you want the real answer or the uh... <laughs> both both yeah i'd say the real answer is it doesn't matter okay okay like if if the person likes it, they like it, don't they? Yeah. You know, very good point. You can't say to someone, you know, you don't like that because it's not been taken in the right way. Yeah, but I would say my argument against that would be that if if they've captured one good photo, but they're actually not that skillful or they haven't done that much work, it could potentially be a risk that their full wedding day shoot would have not so many high quality shots in it and be kind of an average the average would be lower. I'd say that's a slightly different question uh, in mm. terms of you know you might look at somebody's website and they've got a few nice pictures on there uh, and and sometimes we used to see this uh, when people first start they might go on some training workshops uh, mm -hmm. back, back in my day like you know you'd have to get a horse and cart to any sort of training course and paint <laughs> drachma uh, but these days the, you know just going on Facebook, you're bombarded with loads of, uh, well, certainly I am, lots of photographic training uh, opportunities, uh, which, you know, I don't know if that's uh, saying something about me or something about Facebook. You can go on these workshops and basically the tutor will set it all up, uh, you know, and I've done it myself both from uh, attending workshops and running workshops. Uh, you know, you set it all up with the model, uh, you know, and the lighting and, and basically the person there just presses the button. You know, so so the risk there is that they get an amazing shot, but if they try and replicate that in a wedding situation, they've got you know uh, a very low chance of doing it straight away. You know, they'll need to practice. You know, like anything, uh, you know, you you both uh, apparently do this magic stuff. Uh, you know, probably if you didn't if you did if you did a, a illusion or trick once. Probably like if you then went, oh, that's fine. I don't need to practice it and, and tried it at a wedding. You probably like, you know, all the cards would fall out your sleeves and all, you know, the rabbit would fall out from your trousers and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> you, it's fair to say that one picture is not indicative of an entire repertoire. Yeah. One picture is one picture. Yeah. I mean, one uh, good thing is, you know, if you can ask to see maybe a whole wedding from a photographer, you can get a feel a little bit for. You know, have they got more than five pictures on their website? You know, does it all look like the same person? And have you seen that person in like five other photographers? 
things, you know, because then it's probably not going to be a bride unless it's Elizabeth Taylor or something. <laughs> I'm, I'm showing my age now, I think. Yeah, for, for those of you who are not of age, uh, Elizabeth Taylor's been married five times at least, including twice to the same person, if I'm yeah. not yeah. mistaken. Yeah. Uh, so what are the risks of booking an amateur photographer? I, I think I'd probably expand a little bit on sort of the line between amateur and professional, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because professional to some people means, you know, they do it full time and that's the only thing that they do, you know. So, you know, by some standards, you could say I'm a professional wedding photographer, uh, but then I also photograph some other things, you know, and I also do like little bits of video and, you know, social media stuff. And, you know, so I, I try and keep things varied, which, you know, we spin back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, and my history a little bit is, you know, I think that because it's different, then it keeps me fresher and more creative for weddings. Also, some of the things that you do in these other genres kind of like go, well, actually, that'd be quite a cool way to, to photograph, you know, the food at the wedding, for example. Okay, I'm going to rephrase my question slightly because on kind of various different Facebook groups, you see, you know, photographers for all sorts of different prices. So you have some photographers kind of up around the £2,000 mark and you have some people saying they'll do a full day's coverage for like £300 or something like that. So what would be the potential risk associated with booking someone who's going to come do the full day, including editing afterwards for like £300? Yeah, I, I, I think like the risk, cheap. risk with uh, people at certain price points is that obviously they'll get so booked up uh, that they'll not be able to keep up, you know, mm-hmm. or, or they might actually go, actually, I'm not earning enough to actually make a living because I've spent more than this on my equipment and uh, insurance and know upkeep of my car so by the time your wedding comes around they're not even around anymore you know that that's obviously a big risk is you know and you've seen these uh, facebook groups again where you know they've paid somebody 300 pounds and then suddenly they're not not around anymore their facebook page is closed down and you know they know they're not going to get anyone there yeah in assuming that someone does turn up on the day and you know doesn't kind of go out of business or anything like that is what would be the risk in terms of image quality do you think of booking someone who's cheaper well obviously the, the big risk is the quality is not going to be the same so uh i i think that the the taking the pictures is the easy bit you know cameras these days are so good that you know probably even you could to get some good pictures chris i wouldn't go that far <laughs> <laughs> But, but you know what I mean? It, it's, it's a different game now to uh, when people were shooting with film or with the early digital cameras where you have to take a lot of control uh, and therefore you have to kind of know what you were doing. You know, now if you look at, uh, say, phone cameras, for example, yeah, the quality in inside and low light isn't amazing, but outside, you know, the the actual image quality is pretty decent. So I think we've the 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 thing has changed from uh, you know can you get good pictures to uh, you know the experience is where the the difference is. So you know where I was saying about you know me be, me being a bit of a wedding coordinator, that's something that you can't do if you're uh, quite new in the business because you literally are, you know I remember from my first few weddings literally just running around not knowing what's going on. I remember that feeling where. You just like a bit, a bit like a rabbit in the headlights in your first few weddings, where you're like you're wondering why you're even there, 
because you kind of like you know, I remember the first proper wedding I ever did and it was a quite a nice kind of um, stately home and came out of the back doors this beautiful back garden and was just like why the hell am I here at someone's wedding so I'd only done the kind of parties and things before but then I came out and saw like a hundred guests kind of stood around making kind of awkward small talk and it kind of like clicked that you know me coming along was going to be you know, breaking the ice cream people and when I left like two hours later when they came through to the wedding breakfast that's when I understood like the value that I'd added to the day um yeah, but it, you know it can be quite overwhelming yeah absolutely and I think that you know anyone kind of just starting out has has got the potential to kind of have that rabbit in the headlights type experience where they kind of you know want to go and I mean I heard a story the other day about a magician um being booked for it, it wasn't for a wedding it was for a charity event um, and then the feedback from the clients uh, was horrendous because apparently they just kind of got really, really nervous uh, and then spent about an hour of their two-hour gig like hiding in the toilets because <laughs> it all got a little bit too much for them. Uh, so it, it wasn't like a really elaborate trick then. <laughs> Sorry? It wasn't like a David Blaine type, uh, I'm going to hide <laughs> in the toilets. <laughs> I'm going to hide in the toilets for an hour. How long can I spend in the toilets? Uh, yeah, so... But yeah, I think that the yeah, the uh, contra to that is the you know the experience you get from booking someone who's a long-term professional that they will. I mean, we've kind of covered this in the podcast before that you know you're, you're going well above what you're doing as just a magician or just a photographer because you are going to help with things like ushering and coordinating and making sure people are in the right places and uh, and, and things like that. Um, well, and, and you know, if I add to that point a little bit, Chris, uh, you know, I think. The more experienced you are, the more consistent you are, uh, which I think, you know, feeds back into the, you know, is there more than five pictures on their website? You know, do they look similar? Uh, you know, but you don't want them to look the same because, you know, that's another thing that you might find uh, at the cheaper end of the market is that they follow a formula very much, you know, and you literally do get the same photos. Whereas I very much using my experience go, well, actually, these, these couple aren't going to like that sort of photo, so they're going to like something a little bit different. Uh, so I'll try and get their personality out, you know. So I did one with Nerf guns, for example, and the bride and groom were, like, shooting each other with that. See, that's just great. I mean, that's just... I'm, I've not heard of that before. I'm going to try and find those photos on your site now if they if they exist there. But I think that's... I think that's one thing also that comes with experience is the ability to be, like, dynamic with within your, within your wedding role. Because... One thing that I do differently to quite a lot of other magicians is um, a lot of magicians will say they have a set. They have set A or set B of tricks. So I'm going to go and do set A, which is this trick, then this trick, then this trick. Then I'm going to move on to the next table and do this trick and this trick and this trick. And then they do the same thing at every single table or with each group. And to me, that just reeks of just... I just It just doesn't seem like what magic should be like to me. I mean, for me, I like to go up to a group introduce myself and then get a little bit of a feel for what they are like and then show them a trick accordingly i mean obviously there are going to be there's going to be repetition of tricks and there's going to be certain tricks i'm going to finish with because that's like the big finish to the table or whatever it might be but you know if i go up to a group and i go and i just go oh i'm going to do these three tricks or whatever it might be that just seems like the, the wrong way of doing it and then i think just that ties in with what you're saying with about photography as you should go there and go you know what you know, I've met you guys, I've met these guys, You're, you would love a shot like this. And I'm, so I'm going to do this completely different, you know, I, I don't know how it would be different, but that because that's your 
area of expertise, but you know, di- different angles or you know, from a from a different height or which we'll struggle with, obviously. I, it's okay. I um, take a step. <laughs> take take a step with you, but uh, yeah, I, I think that like uh, that level of uh, being dynamic about things is, is super important and something you're definitely going to get from yeah your, I, and, and i think that's something that comes with experience isn't it like yeah you know completely when i first started i very much like would go well i need to get a picture of this this and this and i'd sort of work through the list and i'd be too uh worried about getting those shots to to relax and go well actually oh i could take this shot from over here or uh you know or actually just talk to the guests and see what sort of things interest them and you know i think just talking to people at weddings makes them more relaxed yeah that makes perfect sense and what's <sighs> i'm calling you out on that Thank jack you. it's been too many times yeah that was uh that was jack saying that makes perfect sense which is his new version of absolutely which was uh his uh his but his well my bugbear in the first few episodes so uh jack i'm calling you out on that because i'm going to cure you of you saying that makes perfect sense it's the oh, fir- to be fair, you mentioned it two episodes ago, and this is the first time I've done it. So I'm taking well, that as a you, win. Um, well, the therapy is working. Then, it I'm is say. straight away. What was so, your point, Jack? Sorry. What was your point? Sorry, Jack. It's okay. I think when it comes to photography, what's so easy for someone to do is that they can go on one of these workshops or these online courses, and they can learn, as you said, those shots that have to be taken at weddings in inverted commas. Those must take shots. And then part of the course, they get 10 presets for Lightroom. And then they just take all the images, shove them all in Lightroom, put those presets on, export them out. And they get uh, every wedding looks exactly the same with exactly the same photos. It's just a different face on the bride and groom. And that's it. And so that's, I think, is something that's really great that you do for sure, Greg, is that you go beyond the scope of what people think is normal for a wedding. Yeah. And I guess... And I, I think you it's hire, you, go on, Chris. I guess you don't want to hire anyone who's just uh, like a box ticker. Yeah. Regard regardless of you know whether it's you know makeup artist you know flowers or whatever. Someone's just coming on saying I need to do this this and this. I mean obviously that there are things that need to be done or pictures that need to be taken, but you know if you're just hiring people who are getting the job done, then it strikes me as a wedding that would end up being somewhat boring, with no spontaneity to it at all. Sorry, carry on, Greg. No, that that makes perfect sense. Bing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, can I can I bring something up if we're okay to move on to something else? Yeah, because I want to um, start an argument. Because I hear this is going to start an argument. Yeah, okay, okay, carry on. Yeah, when should the speeches be, in your opinion? Uh, well, Chris wants me to say one thing. <laughs> no, we're, 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 we're looking for genuine opinions here, not not for us to sit around agreeing with each other. So we know where this argument's heading already. Uh, so I think it's going to be an interesting thing for you know for couples listening to hear, so they can make their own informed decision on this. Yeah, I mean, for me, for purely selfish reasons, I I prefer the speeches uh, before the food, uh, and and I'll list my reasons uh, super quick before you. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, this is like question time. I'm going to let you uh, carry on <laughs> and make your point. So uh, the reason I prefer them beforehand is uh, from a photographic point of view, obviously the meal can take between one and three hours, depending on where you are. Uh, and often uh, we'll be sat not in a place where you can hear when the speeches start. 
uh, or in some cases actually uh, that'll be the time where we head off site or wherever to to get ourselves some food uh, that means that's probably another topic of you know should you feed your photographer uh, but you probably yes, you, you probably talked about that anyway in the past but going back to the speeches uh, you know if they're before then one uh, I hear so many people they get so nervous for the speeches so they prefer the idea that they can do the speeches and then they can like relax and then enjoy their meal rather than like you know I don't know what the uh, pe- is it poop themselves is that allowed yeah yeah that's about fine. about having to do the speeches after the meal and either getting blind drunk and uh, you know saying jokes like the cakes in tears oh god uh, or you, you love that sort of joke what are you talking about that's that's <laughs> like half your life is <laughs> I do I love I do love a good wedding speech joke. Uh, maybe we could do a whole new podcast on just uh, wedding speech jokes that everyone's heard before. Yeah. Oh, please don't do that to us, please. <laughs> yeah, we've only got is it two hours, so we probably won't have time <laughs> for it today. But yeah, so you know, if people get drunk, then they might mess up their speech. But so they're quite relaxed if they do it first, and then that's the last thing you know the best man has to do. Uh, and also, the, on the flip side of that is. Uh, you know, it's not unusual for us to be sat in a next door room and we'll keep going and checking, you know, what course they're on, what course they're on. Uh, and then suddenly you hear this clapping and nobody's come to tell you that the speeches have started. You know, so so logistically for me, yeah. if they're beforehand, I know that they're done and I'm not having to worry, you know, am I going to be told there are, the speeches are starting today? Yeah. See, I just don't think they're strong enough reasons. So... So, do you want my arguments for for, for for both? Yes. Okay. Um, so, if you have it before, then obviously they get them out of the way so that, you know, the people who are really, really nervous, you know, can, they can they feel like they, they've got it done. Um, by doing it before, you're also giving the catering team more time to get things organized, which means you arguably you could end up having a shorter drinks reception should you want to. Uh, so, there's that as well. Um, I have made notes, you see. Um, if, if I just interrupt you there, I think that can work either way when you do it before or after. Yeah. As long as you know when you're doing it, you can obviously say, you know, put a time limit on how long it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. and the other thing is that um, if you if your table plan's been difficult to sort out, then the speeches will provide the, uh, the talking points uh, for those tables because they'll sit down instantly, they have a speech, and then they've instantly got something to talk about. So that's what I'd say are the advantages of doing it. Um, You're doing my job for me here, Chris. Thank you. Uh, having them afterwards, I mean, it's tradition that they should be afterwards. So if you are if you are someone who likes living by tradition, then that traditionally that's when they should be. Um, and here's, the, here's one of the big things, though. You know, your wed- the wedding breakfast is normally, say, about half three, four o'clock, something like that. And... People normally won't have had much time to have anything for breakfast. Well, they might have had a breakfast. They won't have had lunch. They'll have had a few canapes. Uh, so basically, guests come into the wedding breakfast absolutely starving, and then you're asking them to wait another half an hour to. I mean, which I know is not like a huge amount of time, but you know, if you, if they eat, that means that when they do drink more, that then they're not going to be as drunk when they get to the doing the speeches afterwards. If that makes sense, because they'll have had some food to kind of mop up that alcohol. Um, 
Well, that's another point I had as well. I have I have made notes here. You see, no, there's there's no more Chris. It's tradition. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, it's t- tradition. There's a few things. And the thing is that a wedding speech, because people say about being nervous about it, and I completely understand. I mean, I think public speaking is in the you know, the top three most common fears. However, you will never. What are the other two? Um, dental phobia and spiders. I think just. The, so, so if a spider crawls in your mouth at the dentist while you're giving a speech, that's a nightmare. <laughs> that's <laughs> disaster. That's basically, anyone's worst nightmare. So, <laughs> but when you're giving a wedding speech, you are you will not find an easier room to perform to. You literally have every single person on your side. So, although the nerves are understandable, you've got however. You know, if there's a hundred people there, you've got a hundred people wanting to, you to succeed and do well. You've got no one there going, oh, this guy messes up. You know, it's it's an easy room to perform to. Well, depending on the wedding, I think. Well, I, I think <laughs> even though there might be banter and heckling, there's no one actually willing you to fail. Whereas, you know, it's not like you're at a, a stand-up comedy club where people have literally gone there to try and rip people to pieces. It's, it's an easy room to perform yeah. to. No, I, so. I, I, and I completely agree with that. And, you know, often when I'm like chatting to the best man and things, I'll say, you know, you don't have to worry, you know, they are all on your side. So, I, you know, I, I use those sort of words to help relax them a little bit. If you remember, there is a speech that is. Yeah, if I'm not down the boozer, obviously. <laughs> so <laughs> your, your main argument is that you might forget that they've started or it, it, it's not a case there. of forgetting it's more like i've been in such, like some venues you're sat in such a place that you can't you've not got earshot of what's going on yeah uh, so obviously being sort of sensible you'll go and check but equally you can't stand there for three hours waiting you know and Good point. and if the coordinator is saying to you you know don't worry i'll come and get you before the speeches start and then they don't and they don't then you know so your your main reason is that the wedding coordinator might not be good enough to remind you that the speeches have started oh that's one reason <laughs> I, I think... jack what's your jack you've been unusually quiet so what, what's what's your take on this so i'll be honest i don't give a monkeys so i'm pretty ambivalent to this um and i see both points that's why i think I would, in my opinion, I prefer them to be before the speed, before the meal, but I think they are better done after, if that makes sense. So personally, I would prefer them to be before, but I think it makes more sense for them to be after. Yeah. So why right. why do you prefer them before then? Just because I think that as part of a wedding, it makes better sense in terms of timings for them to be before the speeches. Uh, sorry, before the meal. Because of the, the reasons you already outlined, like the fact that you can have a shorter drink reception if you wish, um, and it allows for time. For if there are any cock-ups or anything that's going wrong during that part of the day, the time can be mitigated by the speeches, because you can do whatever you need to do. Um, and if you have got a fear of speaking, it gets it out of the way. But also, if you have a fear of speaking, you book me, you get a, a full training course on how to give an effective wedding speech, completely free of charge. We'll move on from D- that. Does it I'm include... Uh, did, did anyone hear a plug drop? 
Yeah. yeah, sorry about Does that. Does it include how to tell the best wedding jokes? Uh, it's so I'm about to update the videos with <laughs> with a special feature from you, Greg, about how to give the best wedding jokes. So, <laughs> um, so I think it were I personally think they are best there. Okay, but but, but you you think they're best there, but they're better if they're afterwards. So you're just I don't understand what you're. Brain. Yeah, so I think I, I think I, I think there's I, a fence there somewhere. Fence there with, I, Jack, sorry, with Jack's I, um, ass firmly planted on it. <laughs> <laughs> so because I'm a very traditional person generally in life, I like the tradition of the fact it goes after the speech after the breakfast. That's the main reason why I like them after. But practically, it makes more sense for them to be before. Well, the, the I think the reason for the tradition of that is it's the it's like the last formal thing which kind of. Yes. So it, it, it's the, the wedding breakfast and then the speeches and then essentially it's just party. So it kind of signifies the end of you know formal proceedings, essentially. For sure. So it doesn't really make sense to finish formal proceedings and then have a meal because that's more formal proceedings. But, but then if you think the, the father of the bride traditionally would say, thank you, everyone, for coming. Yeah. Which to me seems like a... a, a a welcome speech is something you do at the start of a dinner, not the end of a dinner. Well, they could say attending. Just because he's thanking them doesn't mean that's... Uh... <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's just pedantics, isn't it, though, yeah, really? Yeah, it, it is. Now, I'm not sure if any of you have experienced this before. Have you been to any weddings where they've... Because there's three... Typically, there's three quarters and there's three speeches. So you, have you ever been to a wedding where they've um, put the speeches in between the courses? That's oh, that that that's definitely my least favourite choice. <laughs> Is that because you're in and out of the room? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It, well, if it, you got it's fed just at a the logistics same time, thing. Though... Well, it's it's a logistics thing of, uh, you know, obviously that means, you know, if I am going to go off site to get some food, then you know I can't do it if the speeches are between courses. Uh, but obviously, and logistically, caterers will typically feed the photographers. Uh, after they've fed the guests mm. so obviously what what's going to happen is oh here's your food mr photographer oh the speeches are starting yeah so you then but... make a choice of do you want warm food and miss the speeches or do you want cold food and photograph the speeches but logistically also it could make more sense for the caterers for for the speeches to be in between the courses because it will allow the caterers more time to get all the courses ready, get the food ready, and make sure they, they just have a they can they have more time to get those things done. They've got a bit of a buffer. Yeah, yeah. But also that means that the tables are probably being going to be cleared whilst the speeches are being made, which is going to distract. There from is that. also that. Yeah. So, um, my partner Natalie just sent me a message on my phone, and whilst I'm talking, she says, and in brief, she's just said that if you're nervous, she thinks that it makes sense to have them before, but if you want to create more of an atmosphere, then they should be afterwards. You know, if, if people have, if people have eaten, and then they're li they, then you're going to have your that. That's the other point. That's the one I forgot to make. If people have eaten, then they are going to be have people talking and have that undivided attention because they're not going to be sat there going, "Where's my food? Where's my food? When's my food coming? When I want my chicken? I want my bit of beef or whatever." Uh, so yes, the, the, that was the other bit. The other thing I'd say to that is, uh, you know, if you've eaten a big meal with lots of drinks. And then it's a bit later. Might happen. Well, that's if anyone falls asleep during a speech, then the speech wasn't good enough. I'm not. You can't blame that on food and alcohol. 
unless we've got absolutely hammered, of course. Yeah. Do have we have we covered every angle on that? Do we think? I think I think there's enough there for people to make their own minds up. I mean, there's no to be fair, there's no right or wrong answer. It's what's right for that wedding and that couple. Yeah. Yeah, and I've I've photographed weddings where all three of those have happened. You know, and also yeah. where they've had no speeches. Uh, you know, or they've had like ten people giving speeches. Uh, you know, so I think it very much. You know, if you were having ten speeches, then probably before would be a bit of a nightmare because you know. Yeah. You'd yeah. be like, here's this bit of frazzled. Uh, I think the most carrot. Yeah. I think the most I've seen is five. Um. So that was the, the normal, and then there was a uh, maid of honor speech and a mother of the bride speech. I've had that as well. That's the most I've had. It's five. Yeah. There, there is some weddings where they'll give the traditional speeches, uh, and then they'll start passing the microphone around to anyone who wants to give a little speech. Oh yes. Oh no. yeah, that sounds like a, a, res- a, that, a that recipe for disaster. I think it's fair to say that on the whole, the speeches are one of the worst parts of the day because they can very easily drag on way too long. Like, I think if you're planning on doing speeches, you need to be very clear with the people who are giving speeches as to what you ask, what you want from them. So the, set them a time limit of however long you want that to be and make sure they do their best to stick to it because otherwise you'll be there for hours and hours and I was just waiting for people to stop talking. That was actually the most cynical thing I think you've ever said on the podcast, Jack. That you think <laughs> the speeches no, cut it out. the I'm... speeches are one of the worst parts of the day because they, they because they can drag on. That's basically what you just said. Yeah, because well, I mean, there's nothing not to like about a wedding, really. So it's not it's still not a bad part of the day. No, it's not like a, it's horrible, but it's just not the best part. I'd say that they are probably one of the best parts of the day because they are, you know, they are emotionally charged. They are heartfelt. They are normally funny if they're a good speech, um, and and because it's such. It, a, is that if I've not given them any tips on jokes? As long as you're not giving them yeah, any tips on problem, your problem, isn't it? Yeah. Then, but yeah, I I think that they are. Weddings are emotional as a whole, and when you've got you know the father of the bride talking about giving away his little girl, and you know you've got the best man ribbing the the groom or the maid of honor ribbing the bride, you know there's all sorts of humour and emotion to come out. So I think they are can be one of the best parts of the day. So see, see I I think more uh, maid of honor should give speeches. Absolutely. It seems unfair in this day and age that only the guy gets the yeah the piss ripped out of him. Yeah. So okay. I'm going to ask a controversial question then. What is the worst part of a wedding? Ooh, well, I would say all of the standing round, unless you book a top quality magician like myself. Or oh, Jack. no, you can't do that. No. No, can't but do that. In, in all honesty, the from a guest perspective, the most the worst part of the day is any part where you're stood around with not a lot going on. You know, and that's that yeah. is, you know, the the problem that professional entertainment does solve. So from a guest perspective, something like that. It's, it's the standing round, you know. That That is information that has been garnered from speaking to a lot of people who've been to a lot of weddings, you know. And, you know, quite yeah. quite often brides will come to, or brides or grooms will come to myself or Jack and say, we've just been to a wedding where uh, we were stood around really bored. We thought about what we could do within that time and we thought about having a magician. What can you do for us? So that's, that is where that's come from. 
Jack, what do you think is the worst part of unmuted speeches? Isn't it? It's it's, it's where anyone shows any emotion. <laughs> is it the ceremony you hate the most? I agree with your. I <laughs> I do agree with what you're saying. Like you are correct. Like the worst. Like having to stand around is a terrible part of the day, and if the speeches are done well, they're great. But equally, the amount of people that I speak to, couples that I speak to, and I ask them about speeches that they've seen in the past it's very often a point that they don't enjoy about the day so i feel like if the speeches are done well then that's good but if they're not then it can very quickly become the worst part of the day it has, it has i think to people put a lot of pressure on themselves for the speeches don't they yeah, yeah. and greg what, what do you think is the worst part about a wedding well it's a trick question there's no bad part of a wedding it's all amazing you, uh, you smooth talky, you. <laughs> I think that cheesy. But, but I think it's managing managing expectations, isn't it? Of you know, mm. you've you've talked about uh, people stood around doing nothing. Uh, I think often that's because you know they don't know if they're meant to be in place X or place Y. You know, I've I've seen it before, uh, where places have either toastmasters or coordinators, and sometimes it's you know the ceremonies in one place, but they are you know. They haven't been to that place like 57 times so they don't know actually then you move to this other bit for the drinks reception they're just stood around going what do we do now yeah i think it's important to get your guests informed with you know at least one board explaining the timings and locations of those things as well because quite often we say oh here's where the wedding this is when the wedding breakfast is but then they're not saying where that is it's just kind of saying you know, it's a timetable without yeah, any yeah. locations. They, they forget that they've been shown round it all. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a venue near me that will remain nameless uh, that is a big country estate and a big country house, and it's privately owned, so people actually live in the house. But part of it is rented out for weddings. And so they have a church, they've got the reception area, they've got the uh, breakfast area, and then they've got the DJ dance floor area. And they're all in separate parts of the house. They're all on different parts of the estate. And you, first time I went there, I had no idea where any of it was. And you regularly see people just wandering around, not sure where they're supposed to go next because they're all in different parts of this estate. They don't know what's the right place to be. Uh, so I think that's a, that's an essential part to do is well, to have the, that. the right place is the bar, Sorry. isn't it? The right place is the bar. Yeah, always. Yeah. <laughs> if, if in doubt, just home in on the bar. So I think that moves us on quite nicely to our quickfire questions. Which, Greg, yep. we will ask of you now. I'll go first. Your number one tip when booking a photographer, Greg. Well, that's quite simple. You just go to www.thirtlepower.com and click contact me. <laughs> and if you weren't available and someone uh, had to was desperately sad, obviously, that you weren't available... Uh, what would be your tip for, for booking after that? Change, just change the wedding date? Well, obviously, that, is, that <laughs> was going to be my next answer, to change the wedding date. I, I, I think the, the best tip is that you want to find somebody you're comfortable with because they're going to be there with you for the day uh, and you need to be relaxed with them. You know, if, if you want pictures of yourself looking really nervous, then pick somebody who makes you a bit nervous. <laughs> You could, you could, pick, could pick it based on emotions of how they make you I'd feel. I'd like to have photos of me looking really, really like petrified on the day. Can you recommend a good photographer? Yeah. Ooh, I've got a spider outfit. <laughs> spider dentist outfit. Uh, or a dentist That's one. That's what you want. Yeah. Uh, so what is your best wedding story, Greg? I think they're all happy. Because they're all happy stories. <laughs> I, I, I honestly couldn't single out 
one particular wedding as being like happier than another uh, i i don't think we're going to get an answer on this one but what's your what's your worst wedding story like the worst thing you've seen happen at a wedding uh, there was one and during the wedding breakfast they closed the bar no i know it was crazy and we were miles from anywhere <laughs> and, and the bar just shut down that's it and the bar and well the bar staff were the the waiting staff so they couldn't have the two open at once yeah, but but the the bar was too close to the waiting staff doing the food, so we couldn't like help ourselves. So it's like a double nightmare. Disaster. Well, what <laughs> that is, I mean, that's the worst of the worst wedding stories I think we've ever heard. Yeah. So what? Yeah, can you imagine that? You're so th- it was a really hot day as well. Oh, heartbreak. Just it's just you're it's so just thirsty, and, and you're worse. like, I don't know how you survived. So what it, is? It, it was a tough ordeal. <laughs> your number one wedding planning tip so that's just a general wedding planning tip book i'd i'd say maybe to do with budget so make sure you set a budget and don't just keep adding more and more things would you would you recommend setting about 15 pounds aside in your budget for anything in particular Ooh. what for for the bar? no no for for maybe chris's book or oh I, I think i'd definitely recommend chris's book you might you may have noticed that i've recommended it a couple of times yeah i've noticed the the pictures yeah if you uh, if you follow greg (laughs) on uh instagram i mean he he got a copy of my book when it first came out and then got a little bit excited with puns and taking photos of the book so i think his instagram feed for about two or three weeks was basically just photos of my book in various people's hands and with candles around it and in churches and ice rinks. I mean, some yeah. of them. I think it was four candles, wasn't some it? Some of the images are quite disturbing. <laughs> One where it's like a shrine is a little bit kind of. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I appreciate it, you know, free publicity and everything. Yeah. But I think, yeah, for tip wise, I think, you know, obviously you don't want to overspend and then be paying off your wedding but but the main thing is it's it's about two people in, in love isn't it so you know everything else is secondary to that really yeah. you know obviously things like photographs are quite helpful because then you can remember like the day and entertainment like you guys it helps the guests have a good time which you know makes it easier for me realistically because then you haven't got like everyone looking miserable <laughs> or or lost <laughs> Yeah, it's a, a wedding where everyone's looking miserable, or lost, and the bride's looking nervous. Perfect, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought it was scared because I was wearing a spider cup. <laughs> <laughs> that moves us finally onto our random question of the week, which isn't quite as random in, in the sense that I thought of it earlier in the week, and now I'm going to ask it now. What's the strangest place you've ever fallen asleep? Um, yeah, I, I generally don't fall asleep. I, I once slept in a travel lodge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you'd you'd hate my life, Jack. I've been sleeping in travel lodges for years now. I, I, I want to know what's made you ask this question, Chris. Yeah, what has? I think you've got like the, the ultimate fall asleep, top trump. Um, not not especially. Um, I, I saw it. The question asked on Facebook by the radio station. I thought that would be a good question to have. Um, I think I had a small nap. Um in a hedge outside the British Embassy in New Zealand because <laughs> um, I was did. blind drunk when I was travelling about 
14 years ago. So You don't look old enough, Chris. You, you wouldn't think so. But uh, yes, I was once younger than this by 14 years and still able to go travelling. So, yeah. Well, that was really disappointing. I was, I, was, I was hoping for better answers than that, than a travel lodge. I've slept in a car, but out in a outside a, a sort of lodge that I was going to stay in in Scotland. Well, outside the lodge? Why didn't you go in? Well, they'd not left the key, had they? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so I'd driven up from uh, Blandford to Apple Cross in the day. So we'd like driven for like 16 hours. So, uh, Greg, I think that brings us on to the end of the podcast. If people want to find out more about you, where can they go? Best best place is obviously I'm on Instagram at TP Photography. Uh, same on Twitter at TP Photography there. Uh, or they can go to my website, which is www.thirtlepower.com. Do you want to... So it's like a ninja, but with a turtle. Yeah. Do, do you want to spell that so people can find you? Yeah, it's W. W. <laughs> w. <laughs> we'll skip the W bit. Yeah, I think. Okay. Uh, it's t h u r t l e power dot com. So it's like a turtle, but you put a H between the T and the U. Perfect. Uh, Chris, if people want to find out more about you, where can they go? They can go to chrispiercingmagic.co.uk. They can find me on Instagram. That's at chrispiercingmagic or searching on Facebook, Chris Piercing Magician. Or if you want my book, you can go on Amazon and search for Blissful Wedding Planning. Soon, or maybe even now, available on audiobook. Being recorded at the moment, but by the time this episode comes out, it might be available. And Jack, should they wish to have the handsome, quaffed magician that you are, how would they uh, go about getting in contact with you? They can go to www.theluxurymagician.com. You can find me on Facebook at Jack Brister, The Luxury Magician, or you can find me on Instagram at jbristermagic. That just leaves us to say thank you so much for joining us, Greg. You have been a wonderful and entertaining guest, as I expected you would be. Uh, And thanks to Jack for um, losing. That makes perfect sense. Bingo. Um, We're going to play again next time, if I remember. Uh, But thanks for everyone for listening. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Yes Do I Do. Please remember to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram using the tag at Yes Do I Do Podcast.